Welcome to the Keyforge Premier League podcast, where we will focus on the people of the community that are contributing to the growth of our sport. Get inside perspectives on the reasons they play Keyforge, what they think about the community, and various other sidebars and hijinks. Be sure to go to the website, www.keyforgepremierleague.com, to find everything you need to know to get started on your path to the top. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast. And if you have any inputs or requests, please reach out to us at keyforgepremierleague at gmail.com. And we will do our best to represent the demand of the player base. The Keyforge Premier League is by the community for the community. Welcome to Keyforge Premier League Weekly. This is Jupiter Sacadura from Manlius, New York, and I am joined by my good friend Vincent Martin um, from Germany, um, and he's here to tell us a little bit about himself and his team, and then we're going to get straight into the topic of quality of cards. So, Vincent, why don't you say hello? Um, thanks a bit for having me. I'm a local player from a somewhat big city in the nor- uh, north of Germany called Hamburg. And that's where my where my team comes from, like Hamburg Atlanteans. Like I played a lot of competitive um, card games back in the day, like Yu-Gi-Oh and Hearthstone. But uh, at some point, when I started university, um, I didn't have that much time to compete, like really professionally. And I'm kind of like the all-or-nothing guy, so I I quitted um, Yu-Gi-Oh and Hearthstone for that and. Picked up Keyforge, and Keyforge is nice by that because you don't have to spend infinite time t- into deck building and keeping up with the newest archetypes. And um, yeah, therefore, Keyforge is pre- pretty fitting for my lifestyle right now. And I'm somewhat doing well in Keyforge. Like, I'm currently rank uh, 26 uh, on the World Tour leaderboard. and. Had some some good tournament results, like um, going to the finals in the Walter Germany, Walter Germany versus Dancaro, and that's that's where also uh, meets Big Z. He like was the crazy guy from US coming over to play Walter in Europe, and um, yeah, it was nice talking to him. And did I did top eight in Walter Spain, and my team and I did uh, top eight um, in the Shadow Walls event, which was also kind of huge. So, yeah, that's where where I'm coming from, and Keyforge just is a nice thing to stick to while doing so much real life st- real life stuff. But, yeah, awesome. So like uh, I saw that uh, so far we have three of your uh, team in the counting yourself in the tournament because uh, Vincenzo and uh, his brother, right? Like uh, both qualified Vincenzo, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like, um, we are pushing our scene here in Hamburg uh, to to competing even more in online events than we did before. And like with the Keyforge Premier League, we're doing pretty well so far. Um, like Dario, which username is um, Lorenzo, or am I confusing him right now? And um, the one is Vincenzo and Lorenzo. I think Lorenzo is Dario in in real life, and um, he is our local sealed king. So therefore, he was like. He was the guy to to win the the sealed Keyforge um, Premier League slot. Um, I think he did second place, or uh, like Vincenzo did the um, Archon qualifier. And I I tried on all of them and uh, just was wasn't wasn't able to to get into the top cut. I went 4-2 in all those qualifiers, and then I decided to stay up until 3 a.m. to (laughs) 
um, go for the Australian Triad qualifier uh, hosted by Philip. And yeah, that was really nice. Uh, I was tired as hell, but um, managed to sneak in there, sweep 6 0 through the qualifier phase, and then dropped out against uh, Toes of Doom, I think. Mm-hmm. Who I previously beat in the in the um, in the round of six, but yeah, couldn't beat him again in the um, quarterfinals. So, but yeah, but still got my 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 spot in the league. So I'm very happy with that and my three Hamburg Atlanteans so far. Um, we're looking forward to compete with the other big teams like SAS and. Well, I think you guys are off to a good start anyway. Do you guys have anybody out left that's going to be at this weekend's event at the last chance qualifier? I think there are at least two guys of uh two yeah two two competing but oh. um yeah we'll see I I think they didn't train that much for adaptive they're usually more like the archon or seal players but I mean the league is an adaptive so I think everybody who wants to be in the league should take his chance and uh, mm-hmm. play in this qualifier because um, yeah if you're good in adaptive and rock the qualifier you good good to go for the league right I, i'm gonna call the hot shot right now since this is gonna come out like story before <laughs> but i i have my favorite adaptive player that i've grown to know and since I've, i have a pretty good world scope uh i think Ugluk is going to be the uh is going to be the winner here like he's gonna be one of the top performers and uh if he's not i'd be very he's shocked from the sanctimonious community team right yeah sanctimonious community yeah team. yeah yeah, yeah and he's, he's a good guy He's an amazing player. He's a Canadian that I, I met at Vol- Albany and stuff. But um, it, like adaptive is his thing. Like uh, I think that like you know how like it's funny how like in the uh, the quote unquote like the meta in the world of Keyforge and stuff like there's so many different skill sets that play so differently, right? Like because you're a good adaptive Archon player, like doesn't mean that you're going to be a good sealed player. It doesn't mean you're going to be a triad player, right? Like there's all these different variables that kind of shift each of the different formats, and then like everybody seems to find a niche that they're just really good at, and then they're good at other ones too. Too, but there's one that like you look at them and you go oh yeah that guy he's a this player right <laughs> yeah that's very true i think there's obvi- obviously overlapping skill sets mm-hmm. but um in your case your favorite player i think in the sanctimonious discord he al- already has the the tag name to it lord of adaptive which mm-hmm. is very fitting and yeah i mean I-, I would consider myself like archon or um adaptive i'm not that good at sealed but yeah Skill sets, are, skill sets are overlapping, but yeah. um, it's, I, it's cool because in other games there there isn't such a thing, thing as different formats like in Yu-Gi-Oh or there's there's just one format in Magic there are like different sets of cards which you can use but and there's also sealed but not like something like adaptive right right yeah there is there's a sealed and there's drafting and stuff but it's a whole different topic and um, honestly like I'm gonna give a quick shout out since we got to the sanctimonious part of this. This weekend, we have our tournament coming up on the 26th, but that is also the deadline for you to make sure you fill out the Google Forms and stuff for the Glorious U tournament. Um, so I'll give that a shout out right here to give you guys a reminder if you're listening and you haven't signed up for that tournament yet. It is starting to cap. They do have a max number. So make sure you get over there into the Discord, follow the directions to uh, fill out the Google Form. Um, if you have any questions, you can always like PM Dan or Lady Caffeina. I know those two are, are very proactive with getting people to where they need to be for that. So there's a plug for you guys. Um, we, we love the people over there at Sanctimonious. They are they are uh, doing great things. And uh, they did push their tournament back to basically try not to conflict with the last chance qualifiers and stuff as well. So we appreciate them 100% for that. So with that, we'll get back on topic. Um, so th- 
let's talk about a little bit about since we we've touched on the meta we'll go ahead and we're going to do that last but let's do that first right so the question here vincent for you is is do you think meta is a real thing in keyforge and how is it different from other games i think the meta in keyforge is a really different thing than in other card games i think there is a, a, me, a meta in, in keyforge but like in, in card building um like tcgs uh, or ccgs um it's about finding the most strongest com uh, thing like the the po most powerful archetype or or individual cards that you can put together um but in Keyforge, there are obviously more more powerful cards than others, but um, obviously you don't have uh, the power to put them together. Um, and also they're like kind of selected by rarity, right? So therefore, um, if I would say that, like, what is the meta for Keyforge? It's like um, good common cards generate like Infernus or Edai or something like that, um, generate decks that can like, Use use those, for example, Ember Control tools as a core and build things around it. So if you want to to do a meta call uh, or play anti-meta, you would have to pick something that is good against cards that you are probably gonna see. Like for example, in the in the Triad League, I, I played a, a deck with Martian Generosity without key abduction, like a weird kind of combo deck which locks your opponent down. You, you can't call that meta, or you you couldn't prepare against that because it's like one of the million decks that that will contain those cards but you can definitely play a, a deck against like a quadruple edi or or um high amounts of inference deck um there's yeah. more definitely more contemplate to that yeah like i i think the key point that you hit on here about keyforge is that um Keyforge is different from other games because in other games, common cards are kind of like the glue to the game, and then your rares and your uncommons are the things that really define the metas, and like they, they're the cards that become the chase cards and the cards that become part of the winning uh, solution most of the time. Um, in Keyforge, they kind of did it the opposite, right? Like all the very powerful cards and the things that quote-unquote set our meta are usually common. Like they're very... Um, obtainable so you see them in larger amounts of numbers and you basically can prepare for the common elements of of, of a set right but then yeah. but then you get more like you get the versatility i guess and the difference is in the deck in the fact that nobody can just meta list you right like nobody can just copy the list that you're playing so that you never have to worry about playing against the thing that you think is best um and the uncommons and the rares that are in the different sets tend to add the flavor and the specialization to how you attack the rest of the meta quote unquote the, the common cards so to say um and i think that like as far as a game plan for a card game goes i think that's pretty 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 brilliant and it's ingenious too um and i like the fact of the thing that always spoke to me about keyforge is the fact that i know that when i play somebody i'm never going to see that deck again <laughs> so like if i get if i get trounced in a game like uh, during a tournament and i lose a game i know that going into the next round i'm not going to have to see that again so like if my deck plays weak against something normally i'm not going to see it as often as i would in say like a magic meta where like 90 percent of the decks are within three different archetypes right yeah, that's very true. Like that that's the like in, in Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or Hearthstone, if the, the meta as a whole like contains decks that you don't like, like 
like stereotypical strategies would be something like burn or, or something like going face all the time aggro and um yeah with keyforge you you all like even at the top level you're you're facing new and new decks over and over again so the meta is like the word meta is really um, meta game is really different than in keyforge and um yeah it takes it to a to a different branch and i like it because like the rare cards give the spice and as you said like no one will no one will have the the same cards as you so that's yeah yeah so like let's talk a little bit about like the the makeup then since we're here and we're talking about it now um the, like what do you think really makes like a deck amazing right like so l we'll use your martian generosity deck for example right in your martian generosity deck like i think the most deceiving thing about that deck is that people see it and they see martian generosity and then they go oh god do they ha does he have a key abduction oh he doesn't have key abduction so he did they dismiss the actual power of that card right the single card martian generosity by itself is absolutely amazing for the amount of value that you get out of it right a lot of people are like well you have to give up an amber i was like but you're getting two cards back in return for that amber that's and, and, it, and basically you always get two cards for the, the that one card regardless so the pure value of the card in a vacuum is is amazing right and some people dismiss that value because if it's not with a combo out like a a key abduction then they just kind of mentally go well it's not as scary right but in in reality in your deck it's actually a hundred times percent more scary right because you're going into control aspects and you're drawing all the answers to all the different problems that you can have it's kind of like a super toolbox right yeah, like decks without uh, key abduct, like Martian generosity decks without key abduction are very interesting. I, I, I like them more in general because you you have to put more thought into is it worth it to to use generos generosity in this situation or should I wait? How many cards do I want to draw? Which cards do I need to hit to to make it worth it to spend all this amber on just cards without the the freak key that key abduction would provide? And um, yeah, you you just have to put way more thought into it. And I'd like to use this point to give a shout out to my friend Arna from the Hamburg Atlanteans, who like this this specific deck uh, we are talking about. We we call it Reaver, and like it swapped back back and forth. And uh, he he told me everything about how to play it. And it also contains a brick combo, which also makes it interesting because you can set up the the generosity. And you can use a Tesma with Brainstorm Antenna to, to lock the opponent out of his turn. If you have three Mars creatures, which also the generosity helps you with. And yeah, like you said, getting back on point. Um, generosity is one of those cards who, who just create a deck on its own. Like usually we, we talked about um, um, commons making up uh, like the core of your deck, but generosity would be a good counterexample where an individual card like Heart of the Forest uh, like Martian Generosity, um, just creates the deck on its own, and you you have to figure out how the other parts work together. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very uh, interesting example, right? Because there's a couple of cards that are rare that do like have like it, you know impact on the game with one card being played. Um, I think another good example of that, if I am thinking off the top of my head here, would be like Punctuated Equilibrium, right? Um, definitely a rare card, but very powerful in what it does and the mechanic it does in its own. And then when you get the right lineup with it, it becomes even more threatening, right? Yeah, yeah. If you find cards like uh, Auto Encoder, which you just straight up archives all, or uh, like five cards if you play Punctuated Equilibrium just for the full value, or at least like three or two cards, uh, or 
EE on the fringes. Like people forget about it that EE on the fringes triggers when you discard a card, not when it's this. Uh, this is your active house. So if you just have a, a seamless uh, like not very threatening EE on the board, and you play punctuated and discard three discards and steal three straight away, that's pretty huge too. So yeah. <laughs> Other yeah. cards would be like Heart of the Forest, obviously, who just <laughs> created a deck archetype, or sometimes even cards like Soul Snatcher. Mm -hmm. um, friend of mine owns a very nice deck where Soul Snatcher always gives him the ability to push his opponent from six to seven, so he can play his Burn Stockpile, his Lomir the Flame Fist, his um, uh, Drumble or Gatekeeper, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and so and so like moving forward from this concept is like like once you have these powerful cards in a vacuum and we you understand the pure value of a single card, right? Like we're building towards like how we look at decks, right? Um, the key after that is you figure out well how do these powerful cards interact? And usually when you have more powerful cards, more powerful cards that interact with other powerful cards, your deck has this thing called like a burst, right? Like it has something that basically you play to that can win you the game or push you into an advant a spot that's ad advantageous to you. Um, a good example of this uh, on my part it would be something like you know like you said the punctuated equilibrium with auto encoder. That's a ginormous swing, or with the EAs, that's a ginormous swing that a lot of people sometimes don't see when they look at a deck list, right? Um, another yeah. good another good example of this, I think, would be something like um, the Martian Generosity that we talked about earlier with the key abduction, right? But there's also the sneakier ones, like the Binite Rupture um, into Interdimensional Graft with a helper bot that pays out with a key charge or something like that, right? Like, all these cards, like, the more you, you figure out these lines and you put them together, the more powerful, quote-unquote, your deck becomes, right? So, like, give it, tell me what how you feel about the, these interactions and, like, what are some of the ones that you've, um, that you might have in your pocket that, like, maybe other people wouldn't think about? When I think like, I think of like these 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 small little combos that like build up your deck and you 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 could look for uh, when you open a, a fresh new deck, um, like the first card that comes to my mind is from Worlds Collide, like uh, Com Officer Kirby, because he enables like a crazy amount of good plays, because yeah, cheating like there's Subject Kirby in Mass Mutation, which is also really powerful, mm -hmm. but cheating out action cards can lead to more like more crazier combos like obviously there's something with kirby and nature's call or you can go, go kirby into punctuated equilibrium to to just dump your hand and get a fresh new one hitting hopefully some star alliance cards mm -hmm. um or cards like um united action which also where we are at the rare spot again um mm -hmm. just gives you a card that combines elements of the game that by design are not put together in one house mm -hmm. so those cards like usually build up something that wasn't there intentionally by the designers of the game, which is really exciting to me. Yeah, and like um, being an old school disc player, like I played Dees forever, this is kind of like those interactions, like um, you take two cards like Arise and Gateway to Dees, and you realize that putting those together is the most broken thing you can do in a set <laughs> that gives you creatures that stop you from playing more than two cards, or that they basically take all your amber when you have more than seven, or they come into play, and if you have zero amber, you get two amber, like like Dees was made like, like one of the first busted combo, um, like 
discoveries that I ever had. And so it's probably why I love Dees. And like, obviously, library access was very obvious. And like, it, you know, that was like a very overpowered thing. But like, yeah. in, in general, like overall, over all the sets, I think you can easily say that like Logos and, and Dees are the two best set like houses in the game for competitive play, because the things that they do are so synergistic, right? Like um, the deck synergies that you get from Logos and Dees are top-notch compared to almost anything else that you could probably play. Now, there are things that compete with it. Like you could say Untamed Coda is, is definitely you know synergistic and like obviously does explosive things and stuff but over the the course of all the sets that we've seen so far i think decent logos are where most people like want to hang their hat like i think most competitive decks are going to always have those two houses and part of that is because of the the layering of the 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 combos and the synergies in them right so we talked about gateway in arise um another good example like i liked in um coda was when i had control of the week with the bobble dominator bobble into using a witch of the eye yeah like these are like you know the subtle like deep like thickness of the deck where it's like witch of the eye by herself is a threat right like she's huge and like you have to deal with her and if you don't deal with her and somehow i get to where i have my dominator bobble on the field which is a lot easier than um than anything else in this combo um and have the the control of the week in the hand like it's pretty much game over for you if i'm paying attention right like that's another big part i guess of the game is like understanding what your opponent is and where they're playing and what they played right so like what do you think about that when we talk about like deck synergies and stuff like that do you agree that like do you think that logos and dees are the the two best houses over the over the full four run set or do you are you a shadow <laughs> a shadow no, no, no. believer sure. i think i think this and logos um like as you said are very self-synergistic and also uh, like a big point is that the 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 um the mechanic that those two houses are centered around are like really important keyforge like this has disruption which is huge like we talked about control the week it's probably one of the like, it's probably the best card in the game if not like it, at least one of the best uh, one of the best and uh, archiving in logos is pretty insane too um like when people the, or, or library access um on its own like when people discovered library access in combination with nuffle seed like this started a whole new like branch for decks and it got banned because it was just too broken and to get back to the the meta game which we talked about earlier like logos and dis are also the two houses that i think uh, most consistently hit those combos this those synergies because if you look like what could a perfect deck be like having a mars deck with like triple battle fleet and key abduction and, and stuff like this is also incredibly insane but um, it's way more rare that those car- cards come together or different houses have different synergies. So this and, and Logos are definitely the top contenders for um, the most synergy at like uh, on, yeah. on an average deck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like I think the reason why decent logos feel that way is also because of the reach they have, right? Because like we were talking about Kirby earlier and how he gives you reach out of the house and stuff like that. And I think that both yeah. decent logos have a good amount of that too, with face shift, helper bots, dominator bobbles, and and basically just getting to use things that are you know that you can basically pull in from other houses so you have more fluent turns and like more like it seems like you're playing more of a house every turn than you would um 
you know, with a deck that maybe doesn't have these kind of tools that you're talking about. Like archiving is ginormous for setting up your turns. Um, and a lot of people don't value archiving enough, especially newer players. And um, I know that there's some new players online now that are, they, they're like, wow, I don't know how you can always have turns of four or five cards from the same house. Like, you know, this algorithm on TCO must be horrible, right? <laughs> um, but the, the truth is, is like, good players are going to set themselves up like early on, like they're going to take the mulligan if they are two, two and two, if it's not something stunning, they're going to always take a mulligan to try to get that, you know, get that head start on it. And then once you start playing it, you kind of know where you're going. You're always looking at your deck and going, well, I know I have, I know that I'm most likely leading into a logos turn, or I'm most likely leading into the next, you know, house that is the most predominant in my deck. And, and I think these are like little game nuances that like, I think newer players have to kind of start to figure out and understand because like, I know like earlier we were talking about, um, how what kind of players like you, different people are like adaptive in this and that i agree that i probably am like you where i'd rather play archon because i'm not the guy that has got the super brain that's going to pick up a deck and go yes this is exactly how this deck should play and play it right the first time i'm the guy that like wants to put in 50 reps with it and then i start to figure out what i want to do with it right like I, I put my work into all my decks that i like um and that's how i prepare like i like to play the deck fluidly like i like i just like i play it like um in the old rush style even though i'm not a fan of that style but I play it in the rush style because I think if you can win playing it rush, then you can win playing it tactically, right? Like, so, so like, um, like if the deck feels good, just playing it without even thinking about anything other than playing max amount of cards from hand all the time. If it can win like that, then when you slow down and actually start to play it tactically, like there's a good chance that it's going to go to that next level for you, right? At least for me. Um, and so. You know that's not always the case, so don't take that as a, as a as a true blue statement. Anybody listening, but the, the the truth is, is like the deck itself should play itself relatively smoothly to be a top level deck. Like it shouldn't, you shouldn't be like struggling to make things happen all the time. And the the way that starts is with the card quality, right? Like your initial card quality. So your base arc on SAS is is very important because the higher that base arc is, that means the better the quality of cards you're playing. And every time you waste a slot in a deck with a horrible card or a card that doesn't really bring any value to your deck, um, then you are degrading your capability as a player to pilot that deck at the top level. Like, do you do you agree with those sentiments, Vince? I totally agree. And the like the the big point behind it is like. Um, if you're looking at competitive decks, you don't want to to ever have a blank turn. And if the card quality is too low, you just sometimes have this turn where you play your misery exploit, your your you discard your phosphorus stars and stuff <laughs> like that. Like especially new players just overlook like how important it is to have uh, like a a good like the the average of your cards should should be decent. Um, the average quality of your cards in your deck should provide turns that do at least something and remove something and you never want to have your turn where you discard your phosphorus stars and and your misery exploits even yeah your maverick misery exploit in mars and and stuff like that because um you at cop uh, top level competitive keyforts you you have to respond to what your opponent is doing and and therefore it's better to have like a, a deck which um has just 36 decent cards uh, and some some of them are like the, the powerhouse cards um then a, a deck with like 15 medio like 15 really powerful cards like your nature calls and dust pixies and the rest is mediocre and you have to to skip some turns to get to get to good combos i don't think you can 
um, do that at at the high level. One point I wanted to 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 mention from earlier, like we, we're talking about dis and logos leaning into other houses and and making cross cross house place available. Um, the one thing I had in mind when you said that was. Um, uh, Distant logos also have um, very high quality minions that provide static effects like succubus, like daughter, like mother, mm -hmm. like ember imp. Those are cards that uh, are somewhat house cheating as well because you, you you place them on the table and if your opponent doesn't remove it, it benefits your other tur other turns. And can you support like the transition into another house? Like obviously other houses like Untamed with Hunting, which have the, those two. But if we think about it, I think Diz and Logos are those with the most impactful static effects, mm -hmm. at least back in Kota. Like when we look to newer sets, obviously there's a lot going on, but back in Kota, this was the case. Yeah, the balancing of the game has been um, very evident. And like I think that you, you, another thing that you can see between the different sets is that uh, you see that they revisit the original concept and make it more fair. Like a good example of that is Mark of Dees is Control of the Weak in the way that it's not as broken. And um, it still gives you the disruptive element of Control of the Weak without being absolutely broken, right? Like without being overpowerful. Um, That's true. Still a crazy good card, but... For yeah. sure, it's more balanced than Control of the Week. Yeah. So, like, uh, Control of the Week is my number one, and the number number two card is um, Nature's Call. And Nature's Call is just such a good utility and overall, like, powerful card that uh, I, I find a lot of um, utility in it, right? And um, I think, but I think it's also a very fair card because it basically is looking to do all the things that it has to do. Um, but it it relies on other things being in play, right? So I think that's why that card hasn't been changed too much. In a vacuum, Nature's Call is together with Control of the Week is one of the most uh, like the, one of the best cards in the game for sure. Um, obviously, we talked earlier about combo cards like Battlefleet. If you hit multiples of those, those those are st st starting to get insane, or or e dice and stuff. But um, yeah. The utility of, of Nature's Call makes it such a good card because Lights Out is an, is a really good card too. But having the option to return own minions, like obviously Nature's Call returns one more creature, but that's not the point. The, the point is that you can return your own creatures and make crazy combos happening like Kirby into Nature's Call or Nature's Call your Dust Pixies or yeah, whatever. Like Nature's Call your Flexia, all those nice untamed shenanigans that you can pull off. Yeah, there's just a lot of cool. There's a lot of cool things that can happen, and like, um, so in, like a recap. Well, we've been going a, a while, so I'll, I'll let you go to bed soon. Here, I'm guessing it's getting close to your dinner time, and uh, go spend some time with the uh, the misses. <laughs> but uh, um, the the concept here, I guess, what, what we're overall trying to like tell people, like new people who play the game or intermediate people who are playing the game, is that. Decks are, are pretty much driven by the idea that when you look at a deck, you want to have a powerful effect, right? And that powerful effects can sometimes blind you to the rest of what the deck is doing. Um, and then a powerful effect in its own right by itself is, is nice, but it's better when you have things that enforce and pull the, de the deck in the, right, in the same direction, right? Like, um, just because you have... 
like in your deck, right? Like your deck is great because your Martian generosity feeds into the, the into the line of control that you're trying to play. So like all the other cards in your deck, basically you get the value of drawing them, putting them in your hand, and having that toolbox to re respond to your opponent the way that it wants to. That Martian generosity would not be as good probably if you were playing a deck that was basically board control and like you're trying to populate the board with different houses and stuff because now you're basically all over the place trying to play cards and you're handicapping yourself by um, being stuck in in a house that you don't want to be in because you have to dump your cards to get back to drawing and stuff like that. So like high quality cards like Mar Mar Martian generosity especially. Though they're great in a vacuum, they still do better when they are put together with other things. And I think that's an, e an easy to see statement or like, you know, easy to say. But the real tr trick of any deck is that you get those um, you get those combinations and you basically get those things, but you get them all pulling in the same direction that the decks trying to pull right like so basically it's like playing tug of war and having people like pulling 45 degrees from each other versus like pulling straight on with each other you get way more force uh mathematically when you put them in line and all yank in the same direction and i think that's the problem that some people might have with some of these um the deck choices that they make and the things that they see is that they're playing cards that may be good in their own right and stuff like that but a if they're not if they're paired with like under quality cards then you're chaining yourself with the under quality cards or b you're playing two very different styles of gameplay that pull apart from each other and they basically inherently weaken your deck they might give you some flexibility to adjust on the fly but if they don't have a way to kind of communicate with each other or get back to each other and use each other to enforce each other you're it's almost like you're playing half a deck and so you're still chaining yourself does that make sense the where i'm going with that I mean, because in, in, in reality, like, there's decks that you see that are basically, like, ganka decks that basically they look great and stuff, but the problem is... I is totally they... get what, like, or, or decks that, that have, like, big creatures and you want to stay on the board and uh, have a lot of removal that, that is dead because you want to be the player who wants to stay on the board. Yeah. I totally get your point. You're very right on that. But I want to... Because that's, like, I think one of the biggest things that people don't think about. Like, yeah. uh, honestly, when they're buying decks and they're, and, they're, and they're looking to think. And that's why people spend a lot of money on decks that end up being shit because... And then they feel, <laughs> and then they feel bad about the game because... Uh, they basically, you know, put all this money into a deck that they thought was great because yeah. they saw Martian Generosity and, and Ganka and people are selling that meta. And then yeah. they, they get a deck and they go, they realize, well, I have no way to archive. I have no way to, you know, generate Amber. Like, and then your deck is just really bad. Oh, I don't have a proliferator, so I can't really abuse what Ganka does, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of small nuances that people just miss. And I think that is... Uh, I, I keep trying to preach this to people to hear that for them to hear it, but uh, some people just don't want to hear it or they don't listen. So one of the two. I totally agree what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, people like when they're looking for for a new deck, either to buy or if they're open one and looking at the deck list, they they should find these small little combos we talked about and then see if they fit to the total game plan of the deck. Maybe they should just if it's not a sealed event, they should just run it a few times and see what's the deck trying to do and if there are. Um, uh, like different strategies in the deck that that the deck wants to approach. Like obviously a deck with Quixel Stone and a lot of creatures, uh, your <laughs> Quixel Stone is bad. You just should discard it. And if you open a deck with Quixel Stone, you should not be just hyped about the Quixel Stone. You should look fit. Does it fit my strategy? And the best decks are those who can combine the strength of individual cards, strength of combination of cards we talked about, and the the these other like thirty cards. Do they fit in the game plan, those few combos and, and unique cards? Yep. So 
I guess that's all I got. Um, I think this was a, a very cool podcast. Um, I hope you guys got to learn a little bit more about Vincent. He's one of the uh, top class players in the world as far as a person and a nice guy and a ruthless competitor. So uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's, uh, he knows how to turn on his game face and put people down if he needs to. So, But uh, he's a really, really awesome guy. Everything I've heard about Vincent and interactions with Vincent has always been super positive, and he's always pretty much in tow with his, uh, his significant other. So um, I've heard they're, they're just brilliant people to, to get to know. So if you ever see them at, at an event and you feel uh, – feel intimidated to go say hello don't uh you will always be nice enough to say hello right yeah and thanks for having me it was a very nice uh, experience to be on, on a podcast for for once and uh, <laughs> um yeah i hope uh, to to catch you soon and talk about keyforge i can always talk about keyforge as as you are as you do as you too and um yeah, um, looking forward to Keyboard Premier League. Will be the biggest event that we had in a, in a long while, if not ever. I hope so, and uh, I hope that uh, the quality is what people expect. It's a pretty big prize. We've already um, it's already went up to uh, eight hundred. It, it's six hundred plus the two hundred that Phil's doing for his two special, like most improved and best play. So yeah, eight hundred dollars on the line. Out of sponsored ever for Keyforce, so we're not we're not trying to compete. We're just trying to have fun, and like this is all community given and donated. So like it's like basically players paying, other like you know supporting other players pay you know um, professional habits. Yeah, as far thanks, as like, thanks to all the guys who donated and uh, check out Jupiter's uh, decks of <laughs> Keyforce store, um, buy those decks and <laughs> give some extra money to the pool. Will be a great event. Yeah, it's being updated right now, so there's nothing for you to really look at yet. But but uh, <laughs> we got we got plans. But uh, anyway, so check us out. This is the Keyforge Premier League Weekly. I am Jupiter from Manlius, New York, as always. And thank you to my special guest Vincent Martin, a recent qualifier at the for in, in the Triad event. We had four people qualify, and don't miss our event on the 26th this weekend. It is the last chance qualifier. The top eight, there is no bracket in this one. It's just the top eight people guaranteed will get put into the league, and there may be more. I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you a, 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 a revelation. There will be more than just eight slots. So if you're looking for that chance to get in, this is adaptive. It's the same, as, it's the same format as the league. Um, in the league, you'll get to have three decks to choose from every round. But in this one, it's just one. So it's real easy. Make sure you fill out the Google form and do all the proper things that Challenge directs you to do. Um, get signed up on Challenge. And good luck this weekend. And we will see you then. Uh, we will be live on the YouTube channel or on the uh, Twitch channel. And then uh, we will move all this stuff over to YouTube eventually so that we have it uh, cataloged for you. So... With that said, we're out. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, reach out to us at KeyForgePremierLeague at gmail.com and join the show. Without you, we couldn't be us. Check out www.KeyForgePremierLeague.com for links to all our content, including learn to play videos and critique on gameplays. No matter what your level is, you are always welcome. Be a part of it. The Keyforge Premier League. Get there.